Welcome to the More Than a Mama podcast. Let's make some waves today. Hi, y'all. My name is Taylor. I'm a mama, wife, ocean enthusiast, and third grade teacher turned five-figure business owner. On this show, you can expect a strong mixture of sass, vulnerable conversations, and content that will empower you to find your strength and authority within yourself. Together, we will make an impact and rise above the ceiling society places on us. So take a seat and join me. You and your voice are welcome here. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we have a guest expert that I'm so excited to share with you, especially my mamas who follow me. I know that this is going to be so beneficial, y'all. Welcome, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you, Taylor. I'm so excited to be here. Can't wait to chat with you. I know. This is going to be so much fun. So before we get started, introduce yourself. Let everybody know what you do. Yes, for sure. So I am Lindsay. I um, am a fellow, used to be elementary school teacher who now works, um, I guess technically you'd call me a coach, though I do try to steer away from that term. Uh, I like to use the term educator instead, but I work with women primarily who are balancing their career and motherhood, uh, because I think we all know that that could be a challenge and just try to help women do a few specific things that can take them from feeling that feeling of constant overwhelm and like you're feeling both at home and at work. Um, Because I just don't believe that women should have to feel that way. Like we are at a point now where we are allowed to have a career and be good moms at the same time. So I'm trying to help be on the right side of that. Yeah, I love that. This is going to be, I'm really excited to dive into this with you. Because I know that this is something that, especially becoming a stay-at-home mom, that was like a huge transition for me. Um, it's like a whole new ball game <laughs> having Chloe oh, yeah. home full time and then doing my business. But I hear this so much with moms, like we really struggle enjoying our career because we feel like having meaning. I love my career means I don't like my kid. Right. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. so I'm so excited, but before we like really dive into this, tell me, so I know you said you were a teacher. Tell me like how you got into this online space. For sure. Um, so it's, it was recent. It was just this past summer. And we are, I live in Canada and we're very lucky up here to have wonderful maternity leave policy. So believe it or not, we get 12 to 18 months depending on what we decide. Really? Which is, yes. No, pause. Um, pause. Okay. <laughs> 12 to 18 months. Yes. So you get eight? the same. Uh, it's all through government. Like it's like an unemployment type thing. So you don't get more if you're off for 18 months. It's just spread out more but you do have the option and it preserves your job for you. So um, very, yes, yeah, we're very six, lucky up here. Six to eight weeks. I can't imagine because at six to eight weeks, I'm still a mess. And you're like, in a fog really <laughs> Yeah, like by the time you go back, your baby's still not sleeping. You're breastfeeding full time. You're having to pump in the bathroom at work. Like, that's so cool. Go Canada. I mean, you guys, you got to take notes. <laughs> like, oh, we need to be taking <laughs> notes about a lot of things, especially right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, continue. Yeah. Sorry, that like floored me. Yeah, no, for sure. And we're so lucky to have that option. But what also happens, kind of the backside of that is it's a big identity crisis then, right? Because you have that year off where you are 
in a whole new world. Like your life now is just your baby and sleep schedules and nap schedules. And um, it can feel a little lonely and isolating that way. So um, I am now in the midst of my second maternity leave. So I kind of learned from the first one. And when I could feel this time, like for me, I always need to be doing something. I need a project. I need my brain working. So I realized that this time around um, and then just kind of stumbled into the online space of just wanting to start. I'm like, I might as well start now, even if I can't go full speed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once I got into that space, I kind of fell in love and I realized that there was a need and that I could add something to the conversation. Um, so from there, I kind of did end up going full speed um, into that. So yeah, I guess it was like a happy accident almost born out of just the need to keep my brain working. Um, keep educating, keep providing value, keep thinking critically, all those kind of things that can get lost when it's um, just like nap schedules and blocked out. Yeah. You know? <laughs> oh, I do. I do. Yeah. I feel like that's why a lot of moms start, you know, a side hustle, like a, you know, I, that's why I started Beachbody is I just wanted something that wasn't like necessarily work and wasn't being a mom, like something that was my own because it is an identity crisis. It's For such sure. a, becoming a mom is an identity crisis. <laughs> like, For sure. Yeah. And I never realized until recently just how many people's businesses are born out of that. Like how many women have started their business in those early postpartum months. Um, and it, it's fun to know you're not alone in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. I started Beachbody. I think it was... I think it was a year after Chloe was born. I had started kind of working through like my postpartum depression. I was going to therapy and I remember my therapist was like, you need to have something for you. Like your whole identity revolves around your child and that's just not stable. Right. Cause our kids are great. Like Chloe locked me out of the house yesterday. I'm like, (laughs) if I base my identity off of that moment, like I'm not that great of a mom. (laughs) So she's like, you need to have something on your own. So I started my beach body business. And I, I see that too, though. I see a lot of moms. That's how they start these other passions is because, you know, you're like working and then you have your child and you're a wife. And a lot of moms are like, where do I fall into that picture? Me personally. Yeah. Do you see that too? Oh, yes, for sure. Yeah. And I can see the flip side of it too. And I kind of used my husband's mom as an example where she was a stay at home mom. Like my mom works, but she was a stay at home mom. And you can see how her identity is still so wrapped up in that. And then it translates to grandchildren too. And it's wonderful. And they had a great childhood, but I can kind of see the effects then when that is your whole world, right? And it's like, don't know, maybe you need a hobby or, or something else too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you completed your master's degree in behavior side. Tell me about that. Like, what did you teach and what did you get your master's in? So I I have a BA in psychology and then um, for my master's degree, it was technically within the, within the kinesiology field. So it was dealing with exercise and well-being. but we looked at um, a lot of our research projects were around you know, how to create an environment that would boost your well-being, um, looking at motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic motivation, and then how do we create that behavior change and that uh, sustainable behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, from there, I ended up staying in the research world for a little bit. So I worked at a hospital doing some clinical research, but I didn't love the idea that that research seemed to happen kind of in a vacuum. Like I loved research, but I didn't want to sit in a windowless office the rest yeah. of my life. Yeah. Um, 
So then pivoted into teaching. Uh, it was the last year in Canada where you could do your teacher's degree in one year. It was going to be two. So okay. we kind of, my husband and I both did it. We got into that um, thinking like, oh, even if we just use it down the road. And then yeah. from the moment I stepped into a classroom, I'm like, yes, this is where I'm meant to be. Like, <laughs> I love educating. It's great. Yeah. Um, and I still like my, this is not born out of hating teaching or needing to get out or anything like that. Like, I love it. And I'm so introspect for teachers. But now I found a way to combine my love for research with teaching. Um, and there's something to be said for working with adults, too, um, which I'm sure you know. Yes. So it just kind of was a wonderful way to combine all my worlds together. Yeah. Yeah. What did you teach? What grades did you teach? Uh, mostly grade three and four for the most yeah. part anywhere from three to six <laughs> I loved I loved third grade third grade was yeah. like my sweet spot I was lucky to stay in third grade like all three years that I taught those kids are like the coolest kids ever they are I love it age. too yeah that's yeah. the grade I've taught the most too um yeah. for us when we have standardized testing is grade three mm-hmm. I always I'm, I always seek out the biggest challenge right that's what I yeah do. yeah we're the <laughs> same way had everything everything mm-hmm. was in there yeah, we started third third grade started um standardized testing in Texas too. Okay. And it was, I mean, because they come to you as second graders, you know, like they don't go to third grade as a third grader, they're second graders. But I think that's like the most transformational grade level to experience is like how much they grow within those nine months together. It's just insane. For and sure. they're so cute and they still need you, but not like that much, you know, <laughs> they need you, but they can go be independent. And that's my sweet spot. That is not like being needed all the time. That I got is in so... thinking... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I just, I got into it thinking I would love kindergarten because I love kids. And I quickly realized like, I do not have the bandwidth to ever yes. teach kids. <laughs> Lindsay, we're the same person. I told my husband, I was like, I want to be a kindergarten teacher because they're just so freaking cute. Yeah, Those kids are so cute. <laughs> yeah, but after student, I student taught in kindergarten and I was like, oh, like, I don't, I don't know about this. I don't know if I could do this like every single day for the rest of my life. Um, yeah, that's so funny. That is so good. So let's dive into it. So I don't know. I just kind of want to dive into like, what what you work with with your clients so like let's say you have a client come in and they have a career because it doesn't always have to be an online business right like you can just know career in general and they're also being a mom like what do y'all work on together to make those two work in harmony I don't really like the word balance because I feel like there are some days I give more to my child than I do my business and then vice versa but like how do you how do y'all work on those like working in harmony that's a great question. And I, I love that you say harmony because I too, I struggle every time I say balance, trying yes. to think of a better word, right? And <laughs> yeah. it does set some people off because it's yeah. tricky and it looks different mm-hmm. for everyone. Um, so harmony, I love that. So the first thing you would do um, is you have to kind of change how, how you're looking at your life. So a lot of people, and especially for women, we're kind of told from the start, like, okay, get the career, get the job, get the house, the husband or wife or partner or kids, all those things. And you do it all. And then you're sitting there in your beautiful house with your kids you love so much. And you have your busy career. And you're just not feeling happy and fulfilled. And then for a lot of women, it's, oh, well, I must not be doing enough. I need to do more. It's because I'm not doing X, Y, and Z. And it's that pressure to always be doing more. So we really, the first thing I do with them is like, let's stop. Let's start with how do you want your life to feel? 
So you, you've kind of gone through it. How do you want it to look? You're there. It looks that way and you're not feeling good. So let's start with how you want your life to feel. And then much like we do in teaching, we're going to start with at the end point and reverse engineer your life. So what do we need to do? What kind of roadblocks are there? What do you need to unlearn, right? A lot of it is we've learned this over the past, you know, a lot of the women I work with are in their 30s, like you have 30 years of being told it should be this way. How do we unlearn that? And how do we go against that? Um, A lot of it is learning how to set boundaries and say no, because you can't do it all. And if it doesn't align with how you want to feel, then you have to get comfortable saying no, and you have to get used to that feeling of, you know, protecting your own time and energy and peace, because you want it to go towards what's important to you, which is usually Mm -hmm. your children, your career, yourself, your spouse, those things that do help your life to feel how you want it to feel. So there's a big portion of it that is that unlearning, unlearning those patterns, um, and relearning new, more productive patterns. A lot of what I do is just like time management and schedule work and how, um, you know, we want to say yes to everything and our schedule is so full and we live in a society that glorifies busy. So how can we cut the busy? How can we file in those things that matter most? And then if you have extra time and energy, for sure, do whatever. But um, things like one-on-one time with your kids, alone time, all those things are scheduled into your life because those are your non-negotiables to make your life feel properly. That's not something that we just slide in when we have a free moment, right? So getting very clear with those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then a lot of what I like to do, I like to use a lot of um, habits and systems in our lives. And anybody who owns a business knows how much of your time and mental energy is freed up when you have systems in place. And that's the same for other parts of your life too. So if you want to be somebody who exercises and moves your body, but every day, it's a battle to make that happen. That's a lot of time and energy that goes in, not just to the act itself, but before and after. Mm-hmm. So if we can set these things up in a way that works for your life and kind of automate them and have it be something like you decide once, no, I'm the person who moves my body every day and, or four times a week or once a week, whatever that looks mm-hmm. like to you. Once you make that decision and we slot that in, you don't have to think about it anymore. You just do it and you can yeah. free up that time for something else. Yeah. I love that you start with, um, how do you want your life to feel? I, I feel like we don't really ask ourselves that enough. You know, we have a vision, like me personally, I'll just be real here. So when I decided to leave teaching to be a stay home mom, I had a very big vision about what that would look like. And I had never thought about what that might feel like for me. Right. So when it happened, when Tyler went back to work and I'm doing my business full time, and then I'm also with Chloe all day, I was like, not okay for a month. <laughs> like, oh, I was not okay because I was overwhelmed looking back on it now with a lot of emotions and feelings that I was not expecting because I had this perceived notion like, you know, you just enjoy it right? Like I should be so grateful that I get to be home with her because not other people get to do that. And I kind of just put a lot of my emotions aside. Like I just, it's going to look this way where the feelings were so overwhelming. And I think if I had started with my feelings, I would have had a much more realistic expectation of like how it was all going to go down. Yes. I love that. And, And it's so hard, right? Because it's all tied back to 
Um, and anytime you have a conversation about this, it always starts with saying like, I just have to say like, I love my children. Right. Mm-hmm. And I try not to do that myself because of course I know you love your children. Like of yeah. course, but that doesn't mean every moment is sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And it is hard. Like being a stay at home mom is the hardest job in the world. I, I honestly think yeah. like that just the, the total demands and the unpredictability and, and all that is so hard. Uh, and it does leave you feeling like it can leave you feeling overwhelmed and isolated and, and all that. And we need to get to a point where we can say that without having to have a disclaimer because everyone loves their kids. Everyone's doing the absolute yes. best they can with what they have. And it's not moving us forward. If that's yeah. where we're getting like, why do women have to say that? My husband, I mean, he's a teacher too. So he loves his career. And whenever he talks about how much he loves teaching, He has never felt the need to say, but I also love my daughter or I love my family. So like, why, why are women conditioned to do that? Even when I do all my stories, I'm going to, I'm going to roast some of y'all real quick. Cause when I do all my stories, you know, I'm talking about a hard day. The, the minute I say that I always have somebody be like, will you love your child? And that, and I'm like, obviously, (laughs) like I obviously adore Chloe but it can be really harmful that we can't, it's like conditioning us to think almost like I can't struggle and love my child. I can't be having a hard time with this and love Chloe. I can't fully enjoy my career and also fully love being a mom. Like I have to choose. It's like we're being told to choose. Do you see that a lot too? Cause I feel oh, it a sure. lot. Oh, for sure. And, and as much as as much as it is like a societal issue, I think a lot of women are their own biggest roadblocks because they have to be the ones who stand up and say, no, this is okay. And they have to be the ones who are comfortable with that, right? Like I have to be comfortable saying those things and not putting the disclaimer, even if in the back of my mind, it does feel a little bit uncomfortable because I want to move it forward and I don't want to be part of that narrative that's holding everybody back. So it's kind of like a conscious decision in that regard. Um, And I was just thinking as you were saying that, I was going to add a little bit of theory in here. Yeah, go for it. um, What I did a lot of in my master's research was looking at, um, as I said, well-being and motivation. And it was Mm -hmm. under basic needs theory, which um, in order for something to be intrinsically motivating and in order for it to result in a state of well-being, it has to kind of qualify under three things. So one of those is it has to make you feel competent. So parenting, that's hit or miss some days, right? Sometimes your day is just a mess and you don't locking yourself inside the house. I'm not feeling confident. It's easy as a parent to not feel confident, right? The other one is a sense of autonomy. So having choice. A lot of times your choice is limited as a parent, especially when you're home with your child and you're kind of, you know, they don't run the show, but you're going along with their yeah. needs and their whims, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other, the third one is relatedness. So feeling a sense of relatedness. So of course you feel a sense of relatedness to your child, but you're not feeling a sense of relatedness necessarily to like the other women in your life and all that, unless you're going out and seeking out those opportunities. Yeah. So if you're just home all day with your child, there's a great chance that you're not even hitting on one of those three. Yeah. So of course that's not going to feel great in the moment. Um, and if you do have a career, then a lot of times it is easier to hit those three. Maybe you, you know, you're in a career that makes you feel confident. You're working mm-hmm. with other people. You have that sense of relatedness and you have autonomy in your day. You're making your schedule. You're making your decisions. Right. So yeah. it's very easy to see why women 
why their career is maybe making them feel better than when they're at home with their child. Yes. That makes so so much sense. I'm so happy you shared that because that's something like with my mindset coach that I've been, even my therapist that I've been working through is like, I don't want to feel bad about being a mom. Does that make sense? Like with my career, like I feel in my zone and it's because of those three things, right? Like, and as a mom, I mean, just some days I wake up and then I go to bed and I'm like, what just happened the past 12 hours? (laughs) (laughs) She's still breathing. We're all good. Like, we're just going to forget that this thing happened. And it can be so easy to not only lean more towards your career, but also feel bad about doing that too. You know, like it takes away from me being a mom or it takes away how much I love my child or it takes away, um, you know, we all just want to be good moms. Like, I don't know any mom that like doesn't love their child and want what's best for them and does everything that they think is beneficial. And so it can almost be like scary if people don't view us that way. Do you know oh, what I for mean? Sure. Oh, that for can sure. be scary to me. I think about that on my Instagram sometimes. Like if I'm, if I'm crying, do people think that I hate being home with Chloe? Like, do we really have to have an all or nothing mindset or can they both exist together? Exactly. And I think absolutely they can both exist. Yeah. Um, and it, and it's how it's not going to look the same for everybody. Right. And it's your own experience, but I think if you can understand, um, and for me that, that theory kind of helps me, like if I can understand that motherhood is inherently not really set up to, to do that for you, like there are things you can do to put yourself in the right spot and to build that, that those connections that make you feel related to someone else, all those types of things. But um, there's not a whole lot of way around that, especially in those early years. And if that is your day in and day out, right? Like you can see why people start to feel down on themselves through no fault of their own, nothing yeah. to do with how much you love your child or, or like how your child is behaving or anything like that. Right. Yeah. And it's so good just to normalize that because I know when I was a new mom, I had no mom friends. None of my friends had become parents. Like Tyler and I had Chloe we found out we were pregnant four months after we got married, you know, like we were, we were pretty young when we had her and, you know, it can be very isolating when like everybody around you is super freaking happy and so grateful. And you're sitting there like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) Like, Why are my emotions not matching anybody else's around me? But it's because of those three things, right? Like that's just normal. For sure. And a lot of what we see are uh, everybody's highlighting everything, right? Like, yeah, everyone's like, Oh, love every moment of it. And um, that's just, you know, they're not loving every moment of it, but they're yeah. telling you to love every moment of it. Yeah. And it just perpetuates the exact same thing. Whereas yeah. I'll text my friends sometimes like in a frustrated moment. I'm like, do you ever feel such and such? And they're like, Oh, yeah, all the time, right? Like, yeah, so they just don't want to be the first ones to say it sometimes. So now I'm like, Okay, well, when I see a new mom, maybe I'll try to be the first one to say it. So they know they have a place they can go, right? Yeah, yeah, because it can just be so hard when you just feel like you have to feel certain things. And then your feelings what is actually happening doesn't match what people are saying is normal. Like, and that's such a thing on Instagram, you know, you see moms throwing their kids up in the air on the beach and everything's sunny. And there's obviously nothing wrong with that because there are moments 
where it feels like that, you know, like Chloe and I have days where I'm like, wow, like this was almost too good. <laughs> are you feeling okay? Um, you know, there are, there is like a side of motherhood, obviously that's like, so it's just so cool, right? It's so cool. Like the relationship you have with your kids and like how they view you is a very certain way. You know, like when something's yeah. wrong, Chloe wants mommy and it's just kind of like, Oh, I feel like really special. And then sometimes she's locking me outside of the house <laughs> and she's stuck in the house by herself for 30 minutes and nobody can get in. And it's just super fun. And like, I think it's always good just to normalize both sides. It doesn't have to be either or like both can exist. Like I can love my daughter and she can also drive me absolutely crazy all within the same two minutes. And that doesn't say anything bad about me as a mom. Absolutely. And that's the same for any relationship. Like you can love your husband and he can drive you crazy or your Mm -hmm. parents or your siblings or your friends or your coworkers, right? That's acceptable in almost any other relationship. Yeah. So it's unrealistic to think that this relationship, which is still a human to human relationship would be any different, right? Yeah, for sure. So when you're working with your clients, like what, what is it, what is it that y'all are working on? Like, how are they able, what would like finding harmony with their career and being a mom look and feel like for it to be successful there for them? Cause I know it's obviously going to be different with all your clients because they're all going to want different things. Right. So what does that look like? You know, like now that you're taking these steps, how do you know if you're able to accomplish that? I guess. So that's that a sense? great question. Oh, absolutely. That's a okay. great question. And that's something I always ask clients before, like during our consult stage, right? Mm -hmm. What do you need from this in order for you to consider it a success, right? What specifically are you looking for? Um, Because I am particular about who I take on as a client because I want Mm -hmm. to make sure it's a good fit and we can get you there, right? So, um, and it has to be someone who's willing to make a change, right? Like we all want a change, but unless you're willing to do the work and do something different, Mm -hmm. nothing's going to change, right? So, um, I, I need people who are very clear about that. Yeah. And then we spend a lot of time on working together and being able to articulate, well, what is it? How do you want your life to feel? And how are we going to get you to that point so you can say it's successful? And a lot of times, a big piece of it is realizing that, um, you know, you get to define what, what success is to you, right? So it isn't the same person to person. It isn't what society tells us. It isn't that you need to make the most amount of money possible while still like putting your kids in 20 activities a week, right? <laughs> it's whatever is whatever works for you. So, and, and it's going to a place of contentment. So mm-hmm. I think contentment is sometimes like a dirty word. It means, especially if you are a high-powered, career-driven woman, contentment kind of goes against that, right? You're always supposed to be pushing the needle forward. Yeah. But when you actually look at what you want in your life, you do want to feel content and there's nothing wrong with that. So that looks like being able to say no to things that aren't going to serve you and your family and how you want your life to go. That looks like being able, a lot of women just want to go to bed at night and not feel like a failure, right? Which sounds like a pretty low bar, but that is a lot of the time where we are. So, okay, well then what do you need to go to bed at night and feel like you've done a good job, right? You need some one-on-one time to make that connection with your child so it's not about the quantity it's about the quality if you can set aside some time where you make them feel special you make them feel like number one and you have that connection time then that's like money in the bank and then when you do have 
inevitably that your career is pulling you away for a day or you're in a busy season at work or that kind of thing. You have that money in the bank and you're able to then put a bit more time and energy into your career side of it. Um, and without having to, without having any negative effects at home, um, let's say, right? Yeah. Like, you know, those days when your kids just really need that extra little bit of connection. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the times if we're honest with ourselves, I know for myself too, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm having a crazy day. Like, why are you losing it now? Yeah. But okay, you're losing it because I'm losing it because yeah. <laughs> I've set up our day to be crazy, right? Yeah. Like, it's not you, it's me. Okay, so then let's let's fix this right or mm-hmm. or my son I'll be like can you just wait a minute while I do this for work right yeah because I don't want to wait a minute to get my work done mm-hmm. but the child also doesn't want to wait a minute right yeah. so who's going to win here the adult or the child so just being really clear about what that looks like so that you do feel connected to your child um, you have something special that the two of you like to do together and it doesn't mean that you have to put them in so many different things and I think a lot of times parents feeling like a failure so I asked them like well why 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 do you feel like a failure right what is it you're you're busting your butt all day to provide for your child why do you feel like a failure uh, and they just think they need to be doing more or my child is unhappy or my child is ungrateful but a lot of the times it's, it's again because we've been giving them so much right like you're giving them, giving them, giving them, but have you stopped to ask, well, what do they want, right? Maybe they mm-hmm. don't need to do five sports. Maybe they need to do the one art activity that fuels their soul, right? How can we kind of build that into where, um, and again, it's just the quality piece, right? Like yes. more and more and more doesn't get anybody anywhere if there's no quality and you can go a mile wide or a mile deep as the saying says, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah. I, I've kind of gone off on a tangent a little no, bit. No, it was so good though. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. And I mean, I I think I did that a lot. Like when Chloe and I first started staying home, as I'm like, we're going to have a schedule. We're going to do this. And we're going to do that. And it just became overwhelming. And I think I personally was operating from a place of like what I think I should be doing instead of like, what do I want to do? How do I want our day to feel? Um, what would be, what would be both beneficial for Chloe and for I, you know, where I can get work done and I can also take care of myself while also making her feel, you know, like not pushed to the side and seen and spending time with me. Like we intended to do, like the whole reason I'm home is to be with her. So no, I think that's a good point. Cause there is a lot of pressure for women to be doing everything. You know, like even when I woke up this morning, I'm like, I got to clean the house. I got to plan dinner. And I'm like, whoa, like pause, (laughs) you know, my husband's super supportive. Like that pressure definitely does not come from him because our household is very much like 50, 50 split. You know, there's nothing that he would say no to doing because it's my job to do that, you know? And I think it just comes from a lot of like societal pressure, what we think our role is and how that typically doesn't align with what we actually want to do. And I think that's where a lot of friction comes in, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you see when your clients like social media plays a role in what they feel like they should be doing? For sure. I think for anything these days, right? Like we are spending an obscene amount of time on our phone and I'm, I'm no exception to that. Um, and even if we know inherently that it is a highlight reel, that doesn't change the fact that that's what we're seeing, right? And our brains work in such a way where what 
the stimulus that's repeatedly coming in that is building and building and creating our norm, right? So just knowing isn't really enough to get away from that. Um, and again, yeah, it's um, it's the badge of honor and it's social media. Um, and I think maybe Facebook is kind of the worst spot for this, not to yeah. dig on Facebook, but where it's a lot of bums and they're commiserating and it's like a badge of honor for who has it worse, right? Well, oh, I only slept three hours last night. Well, I only slept two. Oh, my husband, you know, he didn't clean the house today. Oh, my husband hasn't cleaned the house in ever. And like, it's a competition and it's almost like, um, we're, we're doing this to ourselves just so we have something to talk about with someone yeah. else. Um, but no one, not no one, but so many people are more comfortable there. And that's an easy way to kind of connect with someone versus actually taking a problem solving approach and saying, well, what can we do to change this? Right. Yeah. And you brought up a lot of great points there. Uh, and a lot of things that my clients need to learn to do is to set boundaries and learn how to communicate. So and I was so guilty for this too. Like my first year with a child, especially, oh, yeah. I thought I had Aren't to do all? all the things. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and, hard. And, and you're just like, you want everybody to be happy and you want your kid to be happy. And like you and your husband, are we still good? Are we still married? Like we're doing fine. Yeah. I like, haven't talked to you in a month, but are we good? You know, it, it's, it's a lot. I think we all, especially with your first kid, I feel like any other kids we have in the future, I'm like, screw it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Even now, even now, like my boundary setting has been probably about as on point as a mom as it possibly can, because I'm just so sick of people making me feel like I'm a bad mom yeah. or that I'm not doing enough. I just I just got mad. I was like, OK, we're just done. Like we're done doing this. I like hit my breaking point, yeah. um, especially with people who aren't moms trying to tell me how to be a mom. I'm like, oh. we're not doing this. We're not doing no. it because we have nobody, nobody in our family, Lindsay, has kids currently. Like Tyler and I are the only people who have children. So like the decisions we make compared to everybody else on our family is like 50% of the time different. You know, like what people view is like, oh, we're just going to go out and go to a restaurant and have dinner. I'm like, okay, well, our child's potty training, <laughs> you know, yeah. so do I bring the potty with me do I bring the toilet seat like I don't want her to wear a diaper because then she's going to regress like how how I have to make decisions versus other people is different and I think it took me some time to accept that even with like um like bedtimes and stuff people who don't have kids yes. they don't realize the importance of like no no my kid can't just stay up three extra hours because yeah. tomorrow will be a disaster it'll be awful or he's and, not gonna, she's not going to eat and she's yeah. not, she's just going to be overtired. And you're not the one that has to deal with that. I do, you know, sure. but then people make you feel like you should push that aside. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, yeah. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. It's just, it's crazy because some of it is, I think, pressure we put on ourselves. Like I know me personally, I wake up and I'm like, let's get as much done as we possibly can today. And then I have to like pull myself back. Like, okay, what do you actually need to get done? <laughs> and anything yeah. else is extra, you know, like, so some of it's on ourselves, but I do think there's also just a society pressure, even generational pressure of like what motherhood looks like. For right. Sure. I've been, I found myself today. I had to take my son for a walk because he wouldn't nap again because um, um, that's the joy of the second child. He nap. <laughs> He's, he's done a lot of great things because he has totally revolutionized how I see myself as a parent and mm -hmm. essentially just told me to chill out. Yeah. But the 
no naps is still frustrating. So I'm mm-hmm. taking him for in the stroller because he'll sleep there. And neighbor, a neighbor comes out and she's, oh, I haven't seen him in a while. Can I see him? Right. And my first instinct was, of course, not to disappoint someone else. So I go to open up the stroller. And then the voice in my back of my head is like, no, no, it's okay to say no. Like he's finally asleep. We're on a walk. Like that's not rude to advocate that your child needs to sleep. But yeah. even though I know all this, my first instinct is to just do what the other person is asking. And it does feel a little uncomfortable to say no, but I just always, you know, the, I have the narrative in the back of my head telling myself that no, that's okay. And here's why it's okay. And you have to just kind of be okay with some discomfort and, and be okay with disappointing some people sometimes. And it's, yeah. uh, there's no magic way out of it. You just have to get used to it. You just have to get used to it. Yeah. It's definitely made me build some thicker skin. Um, but it's, it's like nerve wracking because it's not comfortable. It's not like, especially if you're the only people doing it, like in your sphere, (laughs) you know, like, um, we've gotten a lot of heat about decisions that we've made as parents and it's hard because we're not making those decisions. Like you didn't make that decision to be like, no, you can't see him. You know, it was like, this is what's best for my kid. And if that makes you uncomfortable, You know, it's not, we put a lot of responsibility around not only taking care of our children, but making everybody else feel okay around us too. And that can be very, um, one, I think kind of harmful in general to ourselves, right? Like having no boundaries on what we do and don't allow people to do. Um, It's just also just not healthy. Like it's, it's not, it's going to catch up to you. I know it did with me. I had a point. Where I was like, I literally don't have the capacity to like, I'm not even taking care of myself because I'm so concerned about how everybody else is feeling. I like lost track of how Taylor's doing. I don't even know. I was like, am I good? Like, are we good? Taylor? I don't know. Because I was so concerned about, I just didn't want to hurt anybody. You know, I don't want to hurt other people's feelings. I didn't want to make decisions that affected people negatively, but like, you just got to do it. For sure. I think of that um, quote by Glennon Doyle, and I'm not sure if I'll remember it word for word, but she Love told her, her, I know, your, your job is to disappoint everybody else just as long as you're not disappointing yourself, right? Like, yeah. And just the way, and I'm not saying it word for word, I'm sure, but just the way she phrased it, um, it just brought so much clarity to me. And it showed me that I have to parent my kids. I have to set the example for my kids of how I would want them to live their life. And if I'm not setting boundaries for myself or standing up for myself or doing anything for myself, then what example am I setting for them, right? That you yes. should just, that everybody's needs should matter more than yours. And I can put that aside for now, but I don't want them to think that way. And I don't want to be the reason they grow up thinking that way and they have no boundaries for the rest yeah. of their lives, right? Like yeah. the impact they're making now is so important. So as soon as I could flip that narrative, and a lot of it was thank you to Glenn Doyle. I could flip that oil and see the importance of like, I'm not doing this to be selfish. I'm doing this because my children learn by what they see, not by what I tell them. And I need to make sure they're seeing things that are going to make them successful in their own lives. Yes. Yeah. So right before our call, this is crazy. We're talking about this at a therapy session, literally right before um, this interview. And I was talking to my therapist because I really struggle with people pleasing. Like there is nothing that like deeply gets to me more than upsetting or especially people I love, like upsetting or disappointing them. And I really struggle 
after, if I'm really good at setting that boundary, like a lot of people, I think it comes across like, she's being a bitch, blah, blah, blah. You know, like I'm, it's not fun for me. I, it would be so much easier to be like, yeah, do whatever you want, which is what Tyler and I have been doing the past year. But we both hit a point, you know, like with Chloe, I want her to grow up to be a person that can say no to people and that can look out for herself and look out for what's in her best interest. Cause we are the only people that know what's best for us. Nobody else does. I don't think we should give people that power, but I was talking to my therapist. Like I am just like, I'm doing it. Like I'm doing what you're telling me to do, but I don't like it. Like it's not, I'm struggling. And she was like, which would you rather do? Would you rather, you know, I don't, I, she worded it so good. It was basically like the premise of it was you saying, no now and not even saying no just setting a boundary now not only benefits chloe but like any other generations following you so which would you rather do like would you rather say yes or would you rather have an influence that can go well beyond even your own daughter because whatever chloe learns is what she's going to pass down to and she's like you have to put an end like if you don't believe that mom should be treated that way you put an end to it or you expect Chloe to do it, you know, but that perspective, kind of like what you said was it makes it a bigger picture, like bigger than those moments that we have right in front of us. Yes. I love that. That's, yeah. She sounds like a wise woman. Because, oh, I love my therapist. Yeah. You have, you have to pull back, right. You have to look yeah. at it objectively and you have to kind of take yourself out of it. Right. Like, okay, well, what would this look like if it wasn't me and I didn't know that it felt uncomfortable, right? What would you mm-hmm. tell someone else? Well, you tell them, of course, you have to say no, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that bigger picture is so important. And Yeah. Yeah, I love how you put that. And first, like, I'm also doing this for my child. Like, even if I'm not, I'm not ever going to think, be comfortable doing it for myself. Like, I'm, I struggle with that because it goes against basically how I was raised, <laughs> But I can get behind wanting that for Chloe. And if that means I have to be uncomfortable for her to be comfortable doing it in the future, then like that would be worth it. You know, I don't ever want her to feel like I can't have a career and have a family, you know, like that's the whole point of this business is like, I want to show her you can have a freaking successful career and be an incredible wife, mom, person, etc. It doesn't have to be the all or nothing. But I think that's such a typical thing that women are expected to do is like, choose, you know, once you have a kid choose, what are you wanting to do? You know, and I just don't like having that choice. <laughs> I just want to do both. <laughs> yeah, but it's hard. I mean, women, there's just so, I mean, it's, it's crazy. My husband never has to think about any of this stuff, right? It's just like women are expected to take care of it. And that's something that's happened years and years. And, you're, you know, it's like an ongoing thing that's passed down. But I love the work that you're doing, like helping women stop that. You know, like we can't change what we're being told we should do, but we can change what we actually do. Yeah, and just being comfortable doing it your own way, right? It doesn't matter what someone so up the street is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she's probably not happy either, right? Yeah. Like, we all think we have to keep up with these people, but behind closed yeah. doors, I would be willing to bet that they're not happy either then. And mm-hmm. they're putting 
the their time and energy into things that don't truly matter also um sure sure when they we see them they're smiling and happy and whatever but behind closed doors things look different for everyone right Mm -hmm. so um yeah just just getting a little bit more comfortable with that and like I said a lot of it is the unlearning piece like there's a lot of back end work that goes into it before we can get to the point of okay how are we going to kind of set set up your life going forward and yeah everybody always talks about your why and to me I always say like well there are two whys right there's your why going forward which might be your kids your career your whatever it's important to you but the bigger why right now is why are you the way you are right now because that's what you've learned over the past 30 plus years of your life and if we don't tackle that why that came before this moment we're not really going to have an impact on the why going forward Mm -hmm. and for me I'm very big on creating that sustainable behavior change because I don't think we all do things like think about how many even just diets or exercise plans that every woman has done whether Mm -hmm. they're successful or not eventually a lot of the times we slide right because all these things aren't done sustainably and you go big and you go hard and you make a change and then it is gone so for me I always tell them I'm like I'd rather see you make three small changes in your life and those stick around for your life because the impact of those will compact over time versus like okay let's get you some crazy results here in the next two months and then I'll send you on your way and things will fall back right It's, it's really important to me to not be another person out here in this online space that makes those big promises and then sends you on your way essentially to your own demise because mm-hmm. through no fault of your own, you weren't taught how to do that properly. And yeah. that's another reason why I love hearing what you're saying and how <laughs> you're bringing the education piece to all the people out there who are doing this. Because yeah. it is one thing to tell someone to do something and they do it and they get those big results, but they can't sustain it if they weren't taught how. Yes. Yeah. Oh, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. It's, yeah, I mean, a lot of people take out the, and I think even I did this as a coach when I first started like a year ago, is they take out the um, whole journey process. You know, they're so focused on the transformation that they are not allowing their clients to enjoy their journey because that's kind of part of it, you know, like it's not fun going to therapy. Like right now, therapy is not fun for me. I won't lie. And it's not fun, but it is fun to see how far I've come the past two and a half years. And, you know, a lot of people, when they're coaching and they're mentoring their clients, they're not allowing it to be a journey. They're just wanting to get them to destination, which might provide short-term results. They might have a 5k cash month. They might you know, be setting boundaries off the wazoo, but the minute things get hard, they go right back to where they were because they weren't exactly taught kind of like you're saying for it to be sustainable. How can we make this sustainable? They're just wanting to quick fix problems. Exactly. And and if um, you are in the online space, you know, right, that those transformations, that's what you need. And, and for your business to be successful, you need to show that you've had these giant transformations. And that's where, again, I butt up against that because I don't believe it's sustainable. And I would rather have a business that grows a bit more slowly, but actually is accomplishing what I set out to accomplish, right? So it's, again, one of those things where I just kind of decided, nope, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to be on the other side of it. I'll walk my own path a little bit if I have to, but enough is enough with the the lack of integrity in this space, right? So, um, and it muddies the water for the people who are doing really amazing things. Yeah, because it, 
the minute most people I talk to have a coach that was a bad experience, it's hard. It's hard to ever want to commit to anything else again, you know? Um, and I love that you take that seriously. I love seeing people in the online space that take that, um, you know, like, I'm not just going to charge you bukus of money. We're going to move on. Like I'm legit taking this transformation and how I serve you seriously. Um, Cause there is, I mean, it's just hard because it's not regulated, which benefits all of us. You know, we can't, we can't say that and then complain about it. Like when we benefit from it, you know, we were able to be coaches without having to be certified and all this stuff, even though we're certified in our own ways, but it's not like teaching where you have to go through a certain process, you know, like it's not regulated. So it's really up to us to hold integrity. And I, from what I've noticed the past few months, it's much better to do it correctly the first time than get caught doing it wrong. Cause now people are just putting out fires, <laughs> you know, they are, they're being firefighters and it's just not a good situation. But so let's see, let's, let's end with this. So let's say I have an audience member who this episode like really resonated with her. She's like, wow, like I, you know, I really want to find harmony between my career and being a mom. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm a bad mom. And I also want to have a successful career that I enjoy, like not just live through, but actually like, I want to enjoy both. What are the first three steps that they could take to start that journey? Great question. So number one starting place always is to get real with yourself with how you want your life to feel. And that will probably involve putting yourself in a bit of an uncomfortable position and challenging yourself in some of those beliefs. But um, whether you are someone who likes to write stuff down, type it up, make a video of yourself, whatever you want to do, do that. Figure out how you want your life to feel. Uh, second thing, I want you to start saying no to things. Start saying no to things that don't fit. And I always tell people, start in an email or a text because you can just delete. Do that, censor yourself, get comfortable, then bring that into those face-to-face interactions that are much tougher. Um, And then third thing is you you have to protect your own well-being because no matter how hard you're working on any of these things, if you're not protecting your own mental health, physical health, and well-being, you're not, it's not going to be successful for you. So that always for me starts with, are you able to communicate and ask for help? Are you able to move your body? Do you have support in your life? Rally those support systems so that you're not doing it alone and you're not doing it at a cost to your own mental health. Yes. Yes. Those are so good. Okay. So just to recap y'all, step one, you need to get honest with yourself about how you feel, how you want your life to feel. Um, not what you want to, I feel like I made a huge mistake. So I'm just going to reiterate on this. Like when I first started, I was very clear on what I wanted my life to look like. I want to have a six figure business. I want to be a stay at home mom. Um, you know, I had very, I want to move into a house. I, you know, and all those things happened. And that's why the hundred K series was born because I never focused on how I wanted to feel when that was going on. And it was just, it was awful. It was not a good time. <laughs> it was not a good time, which is kind of hard because so many great things happen, but how we feel throughout it matters too. So make sure you start with how you feel. Start saying no to things. You can start small with like text messages and emails, right? Like start 
start small, say no to things that are easier. I think it's so much easier to say it over text than like face-to-face. <laughs> and then make sure you are protecting your own well-being. Don't do, don't do things at the sacrifice of yourself. Did we get it? Absolutely. Those are so good, Lindsay. Yay! Well, Lindsay, I really appreciate you being on the show. This was a really good episode. This is like very, I'm excited to go back and like listen to this when it airs because it was like very insightful. I think it gave us a lot of points that we just don't think about a lot. You know, like moms were crazy. We're like all over the place. I think it's like good just to think about this stuff, but where can my audience find you? Do you have anything coming up that they should know about? Give us the deets. For sure. So uh, you, I'm most active on Instagram. That's where I like to hang out the most. So I'm at Life Changing Lens there. I have a new website now up and running. That's lifechangingwins.com. So definitely check that out. It's got a wonderful facelift. Uh, and then um, very shortly, I'm going to be launching my signature program, actually, which is a three-month month service where we do exactly the things I was talking about here. So this is where you will get that um, that transformation we were talking about, right? Which yeah. um, will take you through the process of identifying how you want your life to feel. And we work together over those three months to reverse engineer it, do all the things I was talking about in this episode and get you to a point where you do have that harmony. So uh, if anything struck a chord here, definitely keep your eyes open. That program will be starting uh, the first round will be in January. So yeah, it'll be available. (laughs) Yeah. So y'all will be listening to this in December. I record my episodes ahead y'all. So yeah. This is perfect. Okay. So make sure you keep an eye out for that launching in January. I will make sure to have Lindsay, your Instagram handle and website. Um, and just a little bit about the service in the show notes. If y'all are interested, Lindsay's amazing. If you have any questions, I can vouch that you can reach out to her without feeling pressured to buy anything like legit. If you're interested, please feel free to reach out to her. She's an awesome human being, but thank you so much for being on the show, Lindsay. I greatly appreciate it. And I will talk to y'all next week. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the More Than a Mama podcast. Before you go fold that laundry that's been sitting there since last weekend, I have one more thing for you. My mission is to create content that serves and impacts you. So if you love what you heard today, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot your review, and tag me on Instagram at morethanamama underscore so I can connect and create content for you, my listeners. Thanks so much for listening and I will see you on the next episode. Don't forget to make waves today. Bye.